Welcome to the last Wednesday of the week, the multi-tool of sports podcasts. Through highlights, interviews and deep dives into some meteor topics, no podcast brings you more sports on the last Wednesday of the week. That's correct. And in the last few weeks, we've not really been flying the multi-sports flag. But Ben, on this week's show, we're going to go back to our roots, back to our basics, back to what we know. And we're getting our little multi-sports groove on in what I'm dubbing is the GOAT show. Ben, hello. Is it the GOAT show because you're on it, Dan? Uh, I am the GOAT. The greatest the of all time in the podcasting presentership arena. Uh, yes, I'm very excited, Dan. <laughs> also, uh, for the first time ever, I've seen you with glasses today. Is that a sign of age or the weather? It is a sign of age. And, and the optician said, around your age, this thing starts to happen. It's quite Ooh. normal. But then when I was having my hair cut later in the day, the guy who's 10 years older to me went, Wait, they said the same thing to me for my age. So I think it was a sales pitch. I think I've been hoodwinked. Uh, I think I got conned out of some money for some glasses that I don't really need, but maybe I do. I don't really know, but I couldn't question them because they're the experts. So here I am with reading glasses. Do you think they have like a verbatim sales pitch for an age category? So there a patient comes <laughs> yeah, in, 21 much. to 29, they're like, uh, we may be around the age of 30 plus. You're at that time now exactly. when those eyes exactly. deteriorate. Interestingly, yeah. though... Eyes deteriorate for many goats because they, they play well into their 30s, 40s, even 50s, we might say. In fact, 70s, we've had a goat on this very show into his 70s. Uh, so, yeah, excited for the episode, Daniel. Absolutely. And why are we calling it the goat show? Well, what's been happening over the last few weeks and the, the start of season four is Ben and I have been trying something a bit different. We've gone off piste. Um, and we're shaking it up a bit because you know we want we like the interviews we want to get more of them in and we hope you all enjoyed Edward's uh, interview last week and we want to get into some bigger topics as well but we haven't done a proper highlight show for a little while and talked about our multi tools of sports and while we've been doing all this stuff lots of bigger things have happened and lots of big things have happened around the greatest of all time insert name or of sport. Uh, so we're going to, it gives us the opportunity to talk about some of these big events that we haven't had a chance to talk about, Ben. And I know you like talking about all these different things. So we're going to dive in with the GOAT show. So we're going to talk in three phases here. Okay. We're going to have the outgoing goats. Those yes. who've, who, who've, they're out to pasture in the kind of post-goat field Ooh, out to pasture wow i mean yeah. some of the names that we're going to say today uh they are probably <laughs> going to go and be incredibly successful at what they do but you know the goat else. analogy yeah. out to pasture uh, yeah. in their respective sports they Absolutely. have come to an end in their sporting pastures yes that's right current sporting pastures so yes, yes. um they're on to pastures new who <laughs> might say? Um, well, but yeah, we're going to talk about the. Did the you just outgoing. make? Did you just Another... invent pastures new? I did. Yeah, that's, wow. that's a new one. The world wow. can have it. Wow. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about the outgoing goats. We're going to talk about the current, the incumbent goat. Oh, bit of a tease there. We're going to talk about one particular goat, and then we're going to talk about the the future goats. Who are the future goats? Who are we watching now 
that in 10 years, 20, 30 years time, we're going to look back and go, goat, absolute goat. And when we revisit an episode like this, we're going to be talking about them going on to pastures new. Who are those people? So Ben, big topic, one very close to your heart. And we haven't had a chance to uh, talk about it on the podcast much recently, but that of course are outgoing goats, uh, goats heading sunsetting goats i don't know i'm running out of metaphors now i'm of course talking about the big three the tennis the um roger federer um emotional event that was now um just a distant memory but ben talk to us about it tell us what happened what was going on yeah i think it's it's, it's interesting i think uh, i think what we'll do is go back before um, the man himself, Roger Federer, to another goat, uh, who we did mention on a previous show. Uh, I think actually the first episode of this season, that's Serena Williams. Yes, Serena Williams retired. The absolute goat of women's tennis. You may argue Steffi Graf, Margaret Court. They're also names in that era. Should we define goat before we continue? I mean, for those Let's set some parameters. Let's yeah, set okay. Some parameters. So, so, so goat means the greatest of all time. Greatest being singular. I think for the purpose of this conversation, we're okay to the greatest. No, actually, that doesn't work. The greatest of all times. Okay. The greatest no. ofs. Alls. The, ofs. <laughs> we'll put the S after <laughs> of. The greatest ofs all time. So, you know, the idea of the goat is it is an individual idea. Quite frankly, a greatest of all time can be anything from a Serena Williams, you know, or Roger Federer, all the way down to your local kebab shop. You know, you know, everyone has said which the also goat. Ben suggests it could be a team because a kebab shop is a team effort. Exactly. You know, the greatest of all time. It could be a mm. team. It could be uh, a team. It could be uh, something the team uses. It could be anything. A goat is all encompassing. But in terms of this, we're talking about some unbelievable athletes, some of the greats. And Serena Williams was one, of course, hung up her boots at the U.S. Open. A player who didn't make the U.S. Open, Roger Federer, he didn't make that through injury hung up his racket uh, a little bit later at the uh, Laver Cup. Now, for those who don't know, the Laver Cup is it's kind of like, it's, it's an international hardcore tournament, so it's, it's playing on hardcore. It's a good tournament. In effect, it's a, intended to be the sort of Ryder Cup of world tennis. So it's kind of, you know, tennis is equivalent of, of golf's super uber exciting Ryder Cup, which has got some amazing rivalries through the year. But this is, this is, if, in, in effect, an exhibition, i.e. there is no ranking points involved. So Roger Federer did go out with effectively a whimper. He did not play in a ranking tournament again after his injuries. However, he was alongside, he only played doubles in this tournament. He was alongside Rafael Nadal. And he was up against uh, the world team of Francis Tiafo and Jack Sock, both Americans. Now... TFO kind of upset the apple cart a little bit in winning the match with Jack Sock and actually boo. a couple of points. Yeah, boo. boo. He, he made himself instant heel because he actually <laughs> hit a ball at Roger Federer, right? The disrespect on the guy's last wow. event was was staggering. But nevertheless, it was an emotional evening. I had actually got back from work. I'd fired it on. I missed the first few games and I watched... I was enthralled, you know, Roger pulled out a couple of his legendary abilities. Clearly, he was not moving like the Roger of old, only able to play on the, the doubles court. And Rafael Nadal had to do a bit of running for him, it's got to be fair. But the after show, the after show, 
was the Roger show. Was it, was it totes emotion? Oh, it was totes emotion. I mean, the the after show was it was basically the Roger farewell story. There was not a dry eye in the world. Uh, one particular scene was Roger Federer receiving an innovation. He was sort of in the center of the court, and over his shoulder to the left was a Rafael Nadal, and the great Spaniard was tearing up, you know, pouring eyes. His eyes were raining, as uh, to quote Tropic Thunder. Uh, and he, yeah, he sort of, he got everybody in tears. And it, it just sort of showed a couple of things. One, the love for Roger Federer. Two, the fact that, you know, they're never going to relive a 2008 Wimbledon final, for instance, which is regarded by many as the GOAT of tennis matches. There you go. Um, Good use of GOAT, Ben. Exactly, yeah. We, it was pretty smart, wasn't it? Um, but also, I think Rafael Nadal actually saw a little bit of his future that night. You know, Rafael Nadal will come to the end of his career in the next two or three years. He may not make five more years because... Or was he thinking, um, I've only got a short amount of time to get rid of Djokovic now and then it's just me? Well, but this is the problem. I think Djokovic <laughs> was there and, and, you know, there was a massive respect. It was brilliant to see Andy Murray as well. Andy Murray's right back climbing through the rankings the plus one. Uh, after his <laughs> hip resurfacing. Uh, but he, yeah, there was a couple of plus ones, I would say. Berrettini is a definite plus one. Casper <laughs> Ruud, I think, was there. There was a few kind of a newer European champions, which were a little bit plus one. Uh, it would have been nice maybe to have sort of Alcaraz there, who's just won the US Open, who we may even mention later as a future uh, goat. Uh, but, but, you know, it was just an emotional evening, and it was, it was kind of the evening that Roger Federer deserved and... You know, I was 16 years old when he won his first Wimbledon, which which time stamps me a little bit. Uh, but I've watched his whole career, you know, and it's been fabulous to watch. One of the greatest sports athletes of all time, you know, bilingual, always ready for a photograph, never put a foot wrong, no real issues outside, but he's got a couple of pairs of twins and boys and girls. And quite frankly, I think he's looking forward to being a family man now. What's he hiding? What's what's what we he's, what's wrong with him? Well, does everybody have to have skeletons in skellingtons in their closet? <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's move on to um, the next in the most recent news stories that brings us to our current goat, uh, incumbent current, uh, incumbent goat, and that is of course the news that Elliot Kipchoge once again took the world record for the marathon. And this was at Berlin a couple of weeks ago. And he did it in a blistering two hours, one minute and 39 seconds. Now, I I didn't do the maths on this. I googled an article and I found myself across a BBC article here that did the maths. Here's some stats for you, Ben. Uh, (laughs) put uh, Put the treadmill on. 17 miles an hour and then keep it there and stay on it for two hours, one minute, 39 seconds. Or running 100 metres in 17.2 seconds and repeating it for 420 times without pause. Uh, just to put some context there, my 100 meter PB is 16.4 seconds, so I I physically uh, can't run that fast. Uh, I think uh, it's 201. Sorry, 13 miles an hour, not 17 miles an hour. Yeah, he beat it by 30 seconds, so he's actually it's 201.09 now. That was his previous world record, 39. So he actually shaved 30 seconds. Oh, sorry, I, wrong one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, can yeah. I explain to people just how immense knocking half a minute is off? 
uh, well, it's over a second faster each mile uh, on his previous world record. Uh, and I, I read something that was quite interesting there. You say sort of bang the um, treadmill, you know, to, uh, to to whatever time it might be. Yeah. Uh, but qu- quite frankly, uh, some treadmills simply do not go that fast. You know, some no, treadmills yeah, in gym do not go fast enough to allow you to attempt the speed this guy runs at. So it, this is a, a pace of, um, yeah, and Ben, it's, you're literally sprinting flat out and you can't attain the pace that he's running at for over, just over two hours. I can't do um, it for two it's seconds. Worth, it's worth acknowledging this is the same person we spoke about um, some time ago who did the uh, the sub two barrier. He did actually run a sub two marathon as an unofficial record because of the aids that he had available to him, such as the rotating paces, the, yeah, yeah. the aero shield car, the laser guided uh, <coughs> mark on the floor, excuse me, for him to stay in and all that stuff. Um, and he came in at like one fifty nine forty or something. But this is phenomenal. Um, two hours will probably get beaten at some point, but right now we are just seeing absolute dominance at that end of the elite field and berlin always seems to throw up those fast those fast marathons yeah and it is important to say that you know goats don't uh just appear you know you're not a goat uh overnight it is it's about a a prolonged period at the top of your respective sport this was set only two weeks ago. Um, you know, over the course of the last Wednesday of the week journey, we've not actually had much bigger news than, you know, Roger and Serena retiring, and of course, marathon world records. Uh, namely, sort of with the marathon world records, it's one of the most recognized sports in the world. You know, whether that sort of distance is covered by club runners, uh, elite runners, you know, yeah. um, fun runners, amateurs, maybe even those that are walking for incredible charitable causes. You know, the marathon is known worldwide. Uh, and the marathon season itself has been a bit odd last couple of years because of the changing. Usually these marathons are at March, April, May. That is the marathon season, that kind of springtime yeah. before the Western world uh, weather gets a bit too hot. Obviously, COVID has changed that. But Kipchoge is dominated. I think he's only lost one professional marathon race, uh, you know, in sort of 11, 12, 13 or something like this. Uh, but, but you know, coming to home, he didn't race in the London Marathon. That was because it was only a week after or two weeks yeah. after the Berlin Marathon. Uh, the Berlin Marathon is flatter, is faster. So he is going for that world record. I think it is in his head to do sub two minutes on the track before he retires. He's sorry, two hours. Yeah, sub two minutes. He's (laughs) a rocket ship. Um, uh, But he uh, he's already the greatest marathon runner of all time. And 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 when I said before, greatest was opinion. There is no opinion here. He is the goat. We have. Uh, seen even the London Marathon, we've seen some of the greatest track distance runners of all time. You know, my own personal favorite, Haile Gabri Selassie. I adored the man through the late 90s and early 2000s, winning gold in the 10,000 meters. But also Kenanisa Bekele, who ran the marathon. I think he finished fourth or fifth the London Marathon this year. It was dominated by Amos Kipruto. That is a name, again, that could be talked about in the future. He, he destroyed the competition. A couple of minutes, I think it was, against the head of his closest competitor in a in a pedestrian two hours, four minutes, Dan. I mean, just oh, what, is, the, what mean, is he doing? Get a cup of tea. Oh, my you could God. Brew, you I could mean, half brew a cup of tea in that He time. could have just absolutely just relaxed and, and, and taken a moment 
um, Ethiopian uh, Yalamzev uh, Yahualu, I think that's the name, won the women's event. Uh, it's a name I always struggle to pronounce. Uh, Michael Hug retained his wheelchair from 2001, and Catherine de Bunner made it a double Swiss uh, wheelchair in the women's. Uh, they're, they're finishing about 1 hour 28. Again, right. that gives you an idea of how fast yeah. Kim Choge is. Yeah. Um, really impressive. 40,000 runners took part, Dan, which I will ask you because, as yeah. you know, I think the marathon, uh, London Marathon limit is 50. Well, I, I I don't know. I think they've they've increased capacity because they have an, an incredible start arrangement that works so well. It's a very well-oiled machine, the London Marathon. It's one of the biggest marathons in the world. It's Absolutely. one of the most recognized, the landmarks, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 40,000 people started the marathon uh, last weekend and uh, weekend before, rather. And uh, Ben, it, it, that's what you were saying earlier. The reason running is so... Uh, well known is because it's so accessible there's people on that racetrack uh, on that course doing everything from two hours four minutes through to seven hours and every single one of those people regardless of the time they did it in has completed a marathon you know that's it's a C- massive completed, thing yeah and, and, and they've wonderful. all got the same medal and the average time for the non-elite runners is just it's under four hours i think it's like three hours 50 something like that um which again puts into context this this achievement of just over two hours it's a phenomenal effort but marathons in themselves but yeah well-oiled machine the london marathon um and they have these multiple start places so there's the main start and people funnel down from there but there's actually several other start lines and they all end up meeting each other eventually it's it's just an incredible thing to watch well organized and uh, a wonderful event Absolutely. I was lucky enough to uh, uh, report on the Southampton Marathon earlier this year and to uh, chat to a couple of the runners that were coming over uh, sub three hours. So, you know, between the sort of two hours, 45 and three hours mark, you know, to me, they were these superhuman elite athletes that were just they were moving at a pace that was scarcely believable. And you think you can knock an hour off that an hour off that in a 26 mile race? I imagine if I ever got the chance to see uh, the legendary Elliot Kipchoge in real life, that he would just have this this glow behind him, like a, a halo, just <laughs> like he arrives. Down, yeah, the noise, huh, and he just arrives know, down like, like he's not walking. Like, it'd be more like the flash. Just go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. And he, you know, he's <laughs> he's, he's spoken to me four hundred times in the time that I've had had to chance. Like, it's like he's living him. on his own, like really um, dense neutron star, and time moves very oh, differently. Oh, one hundred percent, he is. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I tell you one thing that is is sickening. Did you, did you think we were going to get into hard physics today? <laughs> I thought we were going to move the. Uh, I thought goat meant something else. Uh, yeah. I think the the what's upsetting about Elliot Kipchoge is. How just wonderfully nice and wholesome the man Doesn't he come is. Across and as a nice guy. How you can be that good at something and not be an arrogant tosser. You know, I was going to say a different word then. I stopped myself. But well he done. is lovely. He's a wonderful team man. Um, and, you know, a face of a nation. He is. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time. And the goat of marathoning, which actually adds to this. A quick mention there before I go away from the London Marathon, uh, Leah Williamson, Williamson, Jill Scott, and Ellen White were the starters at Blackheath uh, in London. They're, of course, from the Lionesses who won the Euro 2022. They're correct. continuing to have a, a great year. Yeah, I'm playing this week in Brighton. Um, 
So, Ben, we've talked about our outgoing goats. We've talked about our incumbent goats, which include Elliot Kipchoge and the London Marathon, you could argue, is the goat of marathons. Uh, although not necessarily the fastest. Let's look to the future. Let's uh, let's polish um, Mystic Meg's crystal ball and see what we can see, the future uh, goats uh, amongst the sports. And what prompted me to think about the future was at the weekend with the Suzuka, well, the Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka, of course, Max Verstappen, uh, confusingly crowned champion uh, for his yeah. second World Drivers' Championship. Uh, now, we're not going to get into all of that because that will uh, be for another show. But suffice to say, he now has two world, tri- world titles. He's a, he's an immense talent, clearly. He has a lot of talent. He's in a very fast car. Is he a future GOAT, Ben? He's not there yet. He's won a lot of races this year. He has broken some records. He's got some talent. He's fast. He's young. He's done two titles. Is he a future GOAT? Yes, yeah, 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 he is. And I was about to say no, which is which is deeply concerning. Yeah. Uh I was about to say no and, and yes came out and I think that's because deep down I think that, that he has the machinery to cement himself there in, in sort of goat status. Difficult one though with Formula One. Because uh we talked about Roger Federer there as being, you know, the goat, personally my goat in the men's jaw of tennis, but he's the, only the third most grand slams of all time. And he's obviously not gonna win anymore because he's retired. Chances are Nadal and Djokovic may add to that tally. So he may finish quite a few behind. Now, Verstappen, uh if I liken Verstappen to Sebastian Vettel. Okay, uh, once uh, Sebastian Vettel won his first world championship in 2010, not under controversy, but out of nowhere. Uh, Mark Webber and Fernando Alonso were ahead of him in the world championship, driver championship in Abu Dhabi, an incredible race. Vettel managed to come through, but the year after in 2011, Sebastian Vettel set a lot of a lot of records. He he absolutely destroyed the field. It was an obliteration, and that is what we're seeing this year. Verstappen has absolutely hammered the field. In terms of this race, before I sort of carry on and, and look at the sort of GOAT conversation, uh, the the Suzuka race, yes, I woke up at 6 o'clock. Yes, I'm very angry because no racing happened for two hours. Yes, it pissed me off that the actual race got red flagged when they were on intermediate tires. Mm. I, like, it, it, is it beggars belief. Is it even more annoying that I didn't get up until a bit later and oh. then I walked the dog and then I got home and then they started for the final 40 minutes? So... I don't want to drift too far away from the, the GOAT conversation, <laughs> but I'm going to. Uh, back in 2011 uh, or 2010, I think it was 2011, we had the fantastic Canadian Grand Prix when uh, Jensen Button won and there was sort of this six, six to eight hour commentary. Wonderful. And we were telly. all gripped. It was wonderful telling we were hooked. And now when we have a red flag, I actually don't get that sensation anymore it, because it I know the BBC, I'm, ben. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know I have to listen to Crofty for two hours <laughs> talk about. I reference he re, he actually he actually said the word the T girls are coming out. Like I'm sorry, but for a yeah. man in that position, uh, I think he's I think he's 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 I don't think he's very good at his job. We're not going to get into that, but. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't an enjoyable race whatsoever. But the end also was news enjoyable. that Sky this weekend that Sky have got the rights now until twenty twenty nine. Yeah, the end of this decade. I think we will soon be having a conversation of just how important Formula One is to us. Uh, you know, myself, yourself, and Paul. A couple of weeks ago, yeah, we talked about it. The fact is, actually, the season's been garbage. But Max Verstappen has been 
exceptional. One thing I will say, he's not a goat yet. He has to go a long way. Is Sebastian Vettel a goat? Well, this is the thing about the nature of goats, isn't it? It's a transient thing. It's the greatest of all time, which includes up to now, always up to now. So it will always change. And it will always change. But we said this about Sebastian Vettel when he was putting that finger up every time he got onto the top step of the podium and people were hating him. You know, he is the goat. He's not the goat. He's only won four world championships, which means he's actually still behind Michael Schumacher, who's my personal goat, and Lewis Hamilton, who's your personal goat. Will Max Verstappen win seven or eight? Uh, maybe not. It depends on the machinery, which brings me to that Red Bull. It is one of the greatest of all time, that motor car. It is a well, sublime piece of engineering. And quite frankly, it may be, it is, I'm going to quote Ted Kravitz here, it is Adrian Newey's most winningest car. <laughs> classic Ted. <laughs> that's, a, that's a classic notebook comment, that, isn't it? That is, um, that is a classic Ted's notebook, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolute <laughs> unbelievable motor car. Is it the RB16? Is that what they're on? I or RB18? It's an RB something. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's, it's obviously a Honda powertrain. It was great for them to win in, uh, in Suzuka. Uh, one thing yeah. I will put a shout out to, because I know we've got a lot of Japanese fans, shout out to those fans over in Suzuka. They, they literally they sat up, in a monsoon they? to watch yeah. 26 laps of racing. Wow. But that's a lot more racing than uh, fellow fans over in Belgium got last year, isn't it? So Ooh. it shows that Formula One has got some work to do with its wet weather racing, i.e. do some. Yeah, and this is but the But not with a tractor on track. Oh, terrible, terrible. I, I think uh, that will not... Uh, that'll blow over a little bit. It was actually incredibly controversial, especially on Twitter. Twitter blew up. F on uh, Twitter's not a pleasant place to it be. It is not a pleasant place. Uh, but I was actually in the corner that, you know, 70-30, no. Of course we don't want tractors on track in those conditions. But tractors do sometimes have to be on track during safety cars, virtual safety cars, and double yeah. yellowed. Gasly was belting it 150 miles per hour in the rain under double yellows. That's not cool, Gasly. It's not entirely Suzuka's blame there. Uh, the marshals did what they thought was right. Yeah, well, um, suffice to say, Formula One will always carry these controversies, but there will always be a goat. And currently, Ben, we talked about it uh, many episodes ago. It's fairly, we're fairly comfortable in crowning Hammy the goat. I think that's fairly undisputable. Michael Schumacher. At the moment. Well, we all decided Hammy, didn't we, during that episode? And you, I you thought I decided you Michael went, Schumacher. No, you Oh, went, you see, this is the problem. What? I always change minds. And this actually adds <laughs> a good bit of credence to the idea of a GOAT, that actually you can change your mind on who you think is the best. That's if you okay. ask me this time next year, I may say Rafael Nadal. You know, you and I may change your mind. <laughs> Just don't As long as Twitter. it's the right decision. <laughs> because Twitter will tell you that you're wrong. Um, so that's place. it. That's the GOAT show. We, we've got our outgoing, our incumbents, and our potential futures uh, across three big news stories recently. Um, ben, let's move to in other news, and let's keep it on Formula 1 for a little bit because we talked about the Red Bull car there being very good. Well, it might be very good for a reason. It turns out they spent, uh, I think it's less than 5% 
potentially over their cost cap. And that's, of course, the news today as we record this uh, at the beginning of this week that the F1 budget cap was breached by Red Bull and Aston Martin. Now, what that means for the teams uh, is to be decided because there'll be more on this, there'll be more legal stuff, there'll be appeals, etc., etc. And then at some point they will decide what that means in terms of any kind of reprimands for the teams. And it could be everything from uh, removal of a championship through to removal of um, race or points or things like that. And we all know how finely balanced last season was. So this story's got more to go. Um, many people trying to play it down, lots of people saying, well, you know, it doesn't matter if it's 1% or 100% over, it's still over. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, suffice to say there's more to go on this, but yeah, if you value your um, well-being, do not peruse F1 Twitter at the moment. Well, however, I mean, we've, ben, we've got to ask, Dan, we've got to ask that before you sort of give me a however here. Uh, is it cheating? Well, it's a regulation, it's a rule there to be um, to be followed. And let me quote this here, um, because uh, I, this actually puts some figures on it, what that actually means in terms of performance. Okay, so this is um, Mattia Bonotto, Ferrari, um, and he said that $5 million is about half a second. Two million is 0.1 to 0.2 seconds, and that can be the difference. We know the time differences. We know what that means. But they 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 here are equating to money spent on performance on track. Now, (laughs) that's some calculations to do, but the the implication here is that an unfair advantage in money can be spent all the way across the team, and it can be spent on everything from stationary, you know, through to wind tunnel or um staff or you know all these little marginal gains and that's where they're operating ben they're operating at marginal gains so any gain over and above what is allowed within the rules and the structure and agreed by all the teams then yeah i think it's cheating i I think it's black and white like that you know it may well not i don't think it directly equates to to to, uh speed in that when mattia bonotto of course had a (laughs) i mean we probably can't take ferrari <laughs> I mean, Ferrari. You know, if if they could have that in in team decisions, then maybe they need to spend an extra seven million there. I think it was seven point five million dollars or something like this, um, which in reality is probably less than they spend on business class flights for their drivers. Dan, uh, I I don't know if it is cheating, but if it is, uh, we're not talking public reprimand, which is is you know one of the eventual penalties we may see. But yeah. I'd be looking at the deduction of championship and possibly even drivers' championship points awarded. Uh, and that obviously will be for last season, 2021. And you don't need to take many points off Verstappen for him to lose. I'm going to turn uh, the internet off if that, that championship. I mean, you know, you at best avoid Twitter for six months if, if he gets stripped <laughs> of that championship. Same. I don't think uh, Hamilton wants to be awarded a championship that way. So I don't think it will get no. to that because I don't think Hamilton would even accept a championship that way. He's a top stand-up guy everyone knows he should have probably won the eighth even now i'm a bit unsure of what even happened that weird weird winter's day in dubai (laughs) um but we know that the people in charge are no longer in formula one uh michael marzi being the main uh the sort of most popular that but listen christian horner he probably spends 10 million on his garden parties i don't know if it is direct pace well um 
Ben, I'll talk to you a little bit about the the cost here because I'm just reading from Andrew Benson's article here. Um, Andrew Benson, friend of the show, Dan, friend of the show, writer. We interviewed a little while back. Um, He reports that the uh, Red Bull are found guilty of breaching the 114 uh, million pound limit to join 2021 uh, by a minor. Uh, offense that's the lower of two categories apparently which means they exceeded by less than five percent which is 7.25 million dollars um now to put that into context um i didn't catch this news until today but the w series has now been cancelled for the remainder of its races and jamie chadwick has been crowned champion and the reason it has been cancelled is because there are uh, some funding um did not essentially get paid that was promised so the ceo of w series she is confident that the prize money will be paid out of half a million quid to jamie chadwick and then divvied out amongst the rest so um at red bull are potentially breached by up to 7.25 million dollars Yet the W Series has had to cancel its remaining races to try and pay out the prize money of half a million quid. Uh, I mean, it is not a good look for Formula One. It is simply not a good look because I think the W Series itself is not a good look. I think it's actually a series uh, to inhibit uh, female drivers making it through to the Formula One grid. Uh, Formula One is certainly in a flux, we know that, but the viewer numbers, viewer figures are increasing seems, seemingly exponentially. It's scary. And if they're in the future, you know, post Sky going to go onto some kind of the streaming services, it may double, triple, quadruple. I'm not sure. One name we sort of overlooked a bit there was the Aston Martin also breaching the cost cap. Mm. Now, that is embarrassing <laughs> because <laughs> that did not equate to speed. They are a woeful car. Um, and quite frankly, as long as uh, they, they, I mean, maybe just let them go over the cost cap and see what they can do. Uh, to be fair, though, to uh, to be fair to a billionaire, to be <laughs> to be fair to the poor gentleman. To be fair to Lawrence Strollio, Strollio, um, they are building an entirely new facility, aren't they, at Silverstone? They're, they're making from scratch. Jobs. So you know, like, um, unlike any other billionaire, it's entirely possible it was an accounting error. <sighs> I'm sure he's made a few <laughs> quote mark bunny ears accounting errors in his time. Uh, by um, the way, that is the opinion of me, Ben. Not the last Wednesday of the week. At no point uh, is our podcast saying that Lance Stroll's dad made any dodgy financial transactions in his stellar financial career. They uh, billionaires, man, different planet. But the uh, but yeah, I mean Aston Martin caught up. Yeah, I mean they are like I say, they're building that new facility. Um, there's so much going on, and this uh, I don't know. There's there's a weird world Formula One's occupying at the moment, and it's not all entirely comfortable. I would I would say uh, we're going to sort of dive back through towards the GOAT conversation in terms of drivers. Yes, we've talked about Max Verstappen. If indeed he keeps his first World Championships, that's two World Championships that he will be on now. Uh, every chance the 2023 car will be just as fast and he'll take number three because I don't see Checo Perez challenging him anytime soon. But I think we do have to talk about Charles Leclerc. Yes, Charles Leclerc has made errors this year, uh, namely to hand Max Verstappen the World Championship at Suzuka by bidding it over the last chicane, the <laughs> final 
second yeah. to final corner uh, when being pressured by Perez in the second sister red bull. Oh, he had no Leclerc's... choice. He had to do. He had to go for it. He had to try something, and 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 it could have gone either way. It could have been a close call, in which case it would have been like a racing incident. But in 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 that case, it was a clear cut of the corner and you know don't yeah, give it back it's the last you know, lap and see what happens after the race yeah i don't know the, every other it, driver would have done the same thing yeah but it was the overbreaking of himself it was the push-in but what you know what, what you could say is listen he's in a slower car it's amazing that he's able to even put yeah his that was Ferrari his first there. mistake wasn't it sitting down in a ferrari yeah, yeah that's the that's literally the first mistake uh they've been they've been sort of doing him over since that uh terrible day in monaco a couple of years ago but uh you know leclerc also made a big mistake at um Magnicourt, is it Magnicourt or the French circuit is now? It's not Magnicourt, um, is it? Oh, God. Uh, whatever that uh, French circuit is called now. Uh, the terrible blue and red one that nobody likes. That's actually coming off the calendar next oh, year. It actually God. got canned. The name is completely uh, blank. You come up like with it when the I race there. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible race. Uh, but it's gone now. That's just uh, thankful. But Charles Leclerc, the monogasque driver, Dan, we have to put He's his a name. He's a talent. What a talent. Is. Is Max Verstappen going to be a two-timer? Circuit Paul Ricard, that's of the one. Of course. Uh, yes. Paul Ricard, yeah. So is, is Max Verstappen going to be a two-timer like Mika Hakkinen, Fernando Alonso, some of the great drivers, some of the fastest drivers of all time that never had the consistent machinery? Mm. Formula One is about consistent machinery, whereas tennis and, and football, uh, one name we've not mentioned today, which I think we should mention on our our own outgoing moments of the pod is Cristiano Ronaldo. He is an incumbent greatest of all time and soon to be outgoing greatest of all time. He is in that mix with Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal in that he is still playing, but is he going to uh, last much longer at the top? Possibly not. We're so blessed in sport to have this plethora of greatest of all times. Uh, mm. And it's it's kind of... It's bittersweet to see them change and move through and and recycle because we are getting new ones coming through, and that's exciting in its own right. Okay. All right, let's move on, Ben. So we've got a couple of um, short highlights just to get through um, before we start to wrap up the show. Um, and a, a couple ones uh, resurrecting a few conversations we've had over the last uh, couple of weeks, but also a few months on the pod. And one is a resurrection conversation from last season about live golf. And this, of course, is the very controversial Saudi-backed or Saudi-funded competition that uh, enticed many golfers with the frankly insane amounts of money on offer. And their winner was crowned this weekend ahead of the final um, final round, and that is 16 million quid. 16 million quid to to play to play one of him. I've forgotten his Justin name. Johnson. I, I don't I, know I anyone think, in golf. But yeah, it's it, Justin the Johnson. Next player, I, I, the next I would... player gets like eight million, then four million, or something crazy like that. Like this is massive money. Dustin Johnson is is not shy of winning. Dustin Johnson has been in and around the world ranking number one for a decade. He's won uh, nearly every tournament there is to win, and he's also I think won the FedEx year ending a couple of times. Uh, he is a money machine. He's got such a consistent stroke. His iron play is fabulous. His driving is, you know, tee to green. He is, he's one of the greatest and his, his putting has uh, come on no bounds. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of hard to say that Dustin Johnson isn't deserving of that. Uh, but 
he won £16 million. Pounds, pounds that is. So uh, that's about um, $50, $50, something like that. I'm not too sure about the exchange rate at the moment. Uh, but £16 million. Pounds. He had previously won £70 million on the PGA, PGA Tour. So he only has to go for another sort of four or five years at the top of Live Golf to equal his whole previous PGA Tour winnings. You know, the guy is 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 motoring past a hundred million in prize money. Um, or he's going to. He's also you know add sponsorships to that. It's it's phenomenal that the wealth in golf is this sports washing. You know, Saudi backed. You know, Saudi Arabia, the Saudi Arabian Public Fund, they back an immense amount of sports and sporting teams, you know. At what point do we accept that is part of the sporting landscape and stop calling for sports washing and uh, political games? I don't know. No, well, Ben, I think we've talked about it long on the pod as well. I think we've, we have, I think it's about now, not when we're going to accept it. It's, it's when are we going to accept that we have accepted it, right? There's a distinction there because we watch it. We enjoy it. You know, we watch the Formula One in, in all these countries around the world and we talk about the problems of being in these countries around the world and we still watch it and we still look at all the advertising from all these um, uh, uh, oil uh, companies all over, the, you know, Aramco and all that kind of stuff. We watch it, we accept it we probably need to be a bit realistic about what we what we do accept and watch and support um it doesn't change the problematic nature of some of these things um but live golf did something a bit different didn't it 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 made the conversation um more prominent perhaps uh whereas like you said, the money's elsewhere and people aren't having the same conversations. They are that reporters aren't asking the same awkward conversations of um Lewis Hamilton when he goes and races at Jeddah, for example. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I mean though the reporters have asked some incredible questions at the beginning and there is an issue with the ranking points. So the you know, there is no world ranking points on offer yeah. for the live golf, uh, which, you know, brings into question some of the major events. And Augusta's one that I'll bring up, obviously the legendary golf course that uh, hosts the Masters, the annual Masters uh, in April, um, one of my favorite sporting events on the calendar, let alone, you know, favorite golf event. It's brilliant. Uh, and Dustin Johnson's thoroughly enjoyed that event and loves that and previous green jacket winner. But, you know, does he, is he willingly giving that up just for cash? The guy's probably got a hundred million plus in his bank anyway. It just feels that they can't all be that greedy. So maybe they think there is going to be a shift, a shift and a change in that the LIV will welcome uh, ranking points in the future. It, yeah. I just can't see, you know, the greed at that level. I can understand for someone who's ranked maybe two, 300 in the world, um, you know, who sees that as their only sort of financial option, uh, who, you know, whatever the sort of live golf uh, qualifying sort of regulations are. But I understand, I can understand that, you know, m- money pays. Some people are driven extrinsically by money and there is an absolutely no problem in that. But if you're already absolutely wedged, you're giving up on being legendary at the legendary circuits, uh, courses rather, surely you think or, or an, are envisaging you know, live golf to become a recognized series uh, in terms of world ranking points, surely. 
Yeah, well, that that takes two things. One is to get in the mind of uh, elite sports people, and secondly is to get into the mind of multimillionaires, both of which um, we might yet sample, Ben, so you never know. Um, let's move on to the final in other news story before we wrap up is um, another throwback conversation to just earlier this season when we spoke with Ed and Cy of the shutdown coverage. Uh, we were all trying to guess who was going to be the halftime Super Bowl show. Ben, do you know who it is? I have heard it's the umbrella lady. It's Riri. It is Rihanna. Yes, Rihanna is going to be starring of the halftime show. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I listen. I'm not, um, you know, an, an avid Rihanna fan, but she's uh, produced some great songs. One thing's for sure: the Super Bowl is a show. NFL has been phenomenal so far this season. Honestly. It throws up some of the most crazy wild games. Only last night, uh, Tucker scored the uh, walk-off field goal for the Ravens win. You know, there's been some unbelievable matches. And your team, I believe you're a Giants fan, right? My team won NFL London. Who did you beat, Daniel? The Packers, the Green Bay Packers. You beat the Green Bay Packers. I mean, you know, a good, good team, the Green Bay, uh, you know, it is fantastic. And and only a week before, Dan, your very own Giants beat the Chicago Bears. I mean, we're on a a roll. If if Cy was there (laughs) to hear this. That's why he's not here. Exactly. He left because Uh, of the Bears. Uh, If you obviously go and listen to his podcast over on Shutdown Cover, uh, pretty exciting. They are very excited about the NFL this season. It is incredible. Is not as cut and dry as other sports, Dan, in terms of a guaranteed winner. Uh, we've got the big Bills-Chiefs game coming up this weekend, which is more or less the two favourites going head-to-head. Super exciting. A word before you play the Oscar music. I want to say that the London NFL games are, are an unbelievable, resounding success. Sellout capacity making immense money for the for the National Football League and, of course, for the home stadiums that host them. I've got a couple of friends uh, going across to one of the games next weekend, I believe, as well. Nice. Uh, amazing series. And the Green Bay Packers go and play, I believe, in Germany now, which is the... Uh, I go. think it's the Packers play in Germany. Um, or maybe that was the game, just... I don't know. But basically, there's a couple of games in Europe now. So the NFL is branching and branching NFL out. on tour. What stays on tour, what goes on tour, stays on tour. Anyway, the um, although I'm slightly conflicted, even though Giants are my team, you know, they've always been my team, I've always said that. Uh, I'm slightly conflicted about them beating what is essentially a social enterprise, <laughs> the, Green, the Green Bay Packers, fan-owned, you know. They're like, they're like the good guys, right, in the NFL? The Green Bay Packers are not the good guys. No one's the good guys in the <laughs> NFL, Dan. Come on. All right, let's, um, let's move on. <laughs> ben, uh, thank you for that. So if you want to join any of our conversations in other news or the GOAT show, then tell us who's your GOAT, who's your historic GOATs, who are your GOATs out to pasture, who's your incumbents, and who are your future GOATs in your sporting world of choice. Do let us know through socials at Wednesday Pod on Twitter and at Wednesday Pod on Instagram. Ben, coming up, we, um, we've talked about it a lot in this show. We've talked about it on other shows. The cost of sport. You and I are going to um, 
take a real deep dive into um, the cost of sport. And that's everything from the cost on the environment through to the cost on our pockets of being a sports fan. Um, and we're going to get, yeah, we're going to um, get into the weeds on some of that, aren't we, over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, um, we're going to sort of pop out with some facts and figures that are going to blow your mind whole. Uh, just, you know, tune in. Going to be fantastic. And I hope everyone tuned in actually last week. Tuned in. Do we say that for podcasts? Listen, stream, downloaded. Subscribe. Subscribed uh, to the Edward Whitaker episode absolutely fantastic uh they went live last week some amazing stories i've already listened to it twice i'm hoping our listeners do too um it's been one of our more successful podcasts to date and i will be popping some photos of course uh on the twitter reels twitter post things this week of <laughs> my uh, uh sort of experience with with the goats so the time you know i've seen lewis hamilton and roger federer and any photographs i may have of that to go. just spur that goat conversation on Goat day, goat day, goat Twitter goat week. Um, and Ben, just to foreshadow some of our cost uh, cost series, I want to end with an article. Um, I seem to be, uh, the BBC seems to be doing a lot of heavy lifting for me this week. I don't know why, uh, but okay. here we are. Yeah, the um, news there that uh, British Cycling is announced a sponsorship with Shell. Now, uh, and the rest of this headline reads, British Cycling announces Shell sponsorship along with Climate Aware Initiatives. Is uh, this the same British Cycling that have moved away from Ineos or is that... Correct. Is that the, okay, so <laughs> oh, is no. that because... Is that... Dan, is that because Ineos are uh, too busy now fracking? Uh, now Truss has so kindly opened that back up for the Greenpeace friends? It's uh, the whole thing slightly ludicrous that these oil companies <laughs> sponsor green initiatives. Um, it's Cycling terrifying. Is it in works. itself is a pretty pretty green <laughs> initiative. Dan. It's so um, effective for them. Um, yeah. But here we are. This is the world we live in, um, and that's the kind of stuff we're going to get into when we talk about certainly cost on the environment is of course the immense amount of greenwashing that goes on uh, across the sporting world. So you can join me and Ben next week on the last Wednesday of the week. And don't forget to subscribe because, you know, many podcasts, their names, it's really hard to know what day podcasts come out on, Ben. Like, when do you know when your favourite podcasts come out? You don't. You subscribe to them. And no, it's Wednesday. Just appear. The last yeah? Wednesday of the week is in the title. Oh, it's in the Subscribe anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you'll Subscribe never miss up. an episode. Um, you can find us on Apple Tunes. <laughs> Apple Tunes? Apple Tunes. Apple Podcasts. Wow. A conflated iTunes, which isn't even a thing anymore. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other things you like to listen to. You can leave us a message on Anchor. But, you know, all that's left for me to say is, because I've run out of coherent words, is I've been Dan. And I've been Ben. Until next, last Wednesday of the week, be kind. Bye-bye.